Some ministries have it, some don't. When a church has it, everyone can tell. And when one doesn't, everyone can tell. It, it is always unique. It is always powerful. It is always life-changing. By now, you're probably asking, what is it? Here's what I know. If you've ever been part of a ministry that had it, you knew you were part of something special. In other words, you knew it when you saw it. And it was an awesome work of God that couldn't be contained, couldn't be harnessed, and couldn't be explained. If you've never seen it up close, ask around and see if you can find it. Just listen to what people in your community are saying. I promise, if it has come to a ministry near you, people are talking about it. When a ministry has it, the ground seems to rumble. Everyone hears about it. You have to visit this church. What's going on there is incredible. Trust me, you have to check it out. And people do check out an it-filled church. Not only do they kick the tires, but many of them actually join it. They seem to intuitively grasp whatever it is. To an outsider with a critical heart, these converts simply drank the Kool-Aid and became fanatics. But to those who experience it, life is different. They're changed. They're passionate. They're excited. They know they're part of what God's doing, and they want everyone to know about it. That's a quote from a book called, surprisingly, It. Um, not the Stephen King book, but the Craig Rochelle book. And I remember when I first read this book, it was a number of years ago, that idea captured me, really grabbed hold of me and made me think. Because I've seen ministries that have, have had something about it, something special. I've read books, I've seen and heard stories of people's lives changed and dramatic moves of God. And I've been like, I want to be part of it. And it gets me really excited. And I think that's one reason I get really excited about Pentecost Sunday. Because it's a sense of when it arrived. You read about it, you read this story of these disciples who are promised this power from on high, but have put themselves away, in a sense, hiding, scared of what the rulers would do, for, do to them. And then this day of Pentecost arrives, and it all changes. The church of Jesus Christ is born. The Holy Spirit arrives with power. A magic moment in history. I want to be a church where that spirit is alive and active. I want to live a life and have a, myself living a life that where that Holy Spirit is alive and active in that kind of way. 
So we're going to go on a little bit of a journey over the next few weeks. As we undertake this series called Life in the Spirit. It's based on the book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Has anyone read it? It's one, like this is another book. If you read this book, you get a sense of it working in the life of people and the life of church. It's filled with stories. It's filled with also, um, I, I guess, just get good-hearted sense of God's power. I call it like a modern classic. I mean, I think it was late 90s was written, but it's just the, the story really of this church called Brooklyn Tabernacle in um, Brooklyn, New York. And I remember when I read it for the first time, it impacted me in such a powerful way. And so I thought, well, as we head into this Pentecost season where we're looking at the Holy Spirit, and we want this sense in our church of a fresh wind and a fresh fire, let's get into this, I guess, the essence of this book and see what it wants to say to us today. And maybe we can even grasp a hold of it ourselves. I've had various roles, and I guess my time with the, with the Salvation Army has seen me travel around different churches around the place. When we were at training college, we went and visited lots of different churches, um, either observing or being part of a service. Um, when we were divisional youth secretaries, which is sort of regional youth and children's role, uh, we would visit all the different churches and, uh, and for a season there, we were at a different church every Sunday and we'd see and uh, experience what was going on in different places. And even, I guess, in my personal journey, I've been part of small churches, large churches. I've been to big conferences, youth camps, um, to charismatic and not so charismatic churches, been seen and more. Well, maybe not a little more. It's probably going a bit too far, but seen a lot. And when you do that, you go to different places, you sense something in the atmosphere. Sometimes you go somewhere and you go, there's something happening here. And then in some places you go and you feel, this place feels dead. The room can be full, but it still feels dead. Some have had it and some didn't. But about 11 years ago, Becky and I were doing our pre-baby round-the-world trip and um, we were visiting, we were going to all different places in the world. And I was staying with a friend in New York and one, we were there on a Sunday and we both had read this book and we thought, uh, let's go to Brooklyn Tabernacle for, for church. It was this sort of Biggish old theater. Music was great. There was this massive choir of like 250 people on the stage. Um, it, it was exciting, but there was something. I've been a part of big crowds before, but there was something different. There was something special about being at this church. There was a sense of the spirit like I'd never experienced before. And I was like, I want to be a part of a church that has this 
we were already officers by that stage. So I was like, well, you know, at this point in time, we're leading churches. So I'm praying, Lord, let the church I'm a part of be like this. But as you read the book, you find first chapter, things weren't like that at the beginning. Or at least when Jim Simbala, the, the pastor there, took over. Firstly, he, he was running another small church at the time, and his um, father-in-law, who was, I, I guess, like a regional, um, well, oversaw a region in their, in their denomination, kind of asked his son-in-law to take this small, struggling church on as a bit of a favor, kind of a bit of a last resort. And, then, and in a sense, this was sort of the, the denomination saying, this is our last chance with this church. This is our last chance to really do something. Let's see what, what happens. They didn't have much money. In fact, he was barely paid at all. And even the money they had would go missing, which they found later find out by one of the ushers taking it. And things were pretty bad. And Jim was felt he had this sort of heart for this church but thought but was struggling to make it work he was try, he was sort of he was busting his butt to make it work but nothing seemed to be going forward everything seemed to be going bad and even started to play out as in, in a, a physically for him and as he developed this cough that he just couldn't shake And he was crying out to God in an in, in a incredible way, pretty much at the end of his tether, really. Just not sure how to make this work. He actually took a few days off, and um, I guess there's a bit of a sabbatical himself, and was just seeking God and had this moment where God met him, and, he said, and God said to him, if you call my people to prayer, I will always have something fresh for you. If you call my people to prayer, I will always have something fresh for you. As we look at Acts chapter 2, we need to keep in mind chapter 1. As I mentioned, the disciples, they'd seen this whole, the whole Easter story happen, Right? Jesus die, then raise again, amazed, uh, you know, blown away by that. Then 40 days later after that, they see Jesus ascend into heaven. But they're left going, what is going to be happen next? Jesus had said to them, I will give you power from on high. The Holy Spirit will come on you. But they were pro- it seems like they were still scared, not sure what to do, feeling weak and maybe like they should run away. But Acts 1 verse 14 says that they were constantly in prayer. Again, this sort of sense, this call to prayer as a, as a precursor for the Holy Spirit to come. And it's in this, you know, they met constantly for prayer. It's in this space 
that that day of Pentecost that we look on with so much, I guess, excitement came about. These disciples who were scared and weak all of a sudden come out and start preaching with boldness and gusto, right? And a passion for God's spirit and God's good news. There's something about that posture, that sense of being weak or scared or not sure, but using that to draw into God that is powerful. We read about this in 2 Corinthians with Paul, don't we? Where he says that it was in a moment of weakness that he's asking God to take something away from him. That God meets him and says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I think the things of the church, what it says to me is this, they can't happen. We can't live Jesus' life by just good hard work ourselves. We don't have the abilities to love unconditionally. We don't have the ability just within ourselves to live a peaceful life. We don't have the ability in ourselves to be joyful even despite our circumstances. That power only comes from God through his grace. And Paul says here, well, actually, Jesus says to Paul, His grace is sufficient. It's more than enough for what we need to live this life. But we've got to know that it's not because of us and because of our strength that we can do it. We've got to be, we need to be humble and know that it is through God's strength that we can do it. Through God's strength, we can love. Through God's strength, we can have peace. Through God's strength, we can have joy. Through God's strength, we can make this world a better place. For his power is made perfect in our weakness. Craig Rochelle in his book, It, as I quoted before, he says, you don't, You can't control it, you know, you can't always necessarily make the Holy Spirit do its thing in your life. But he says there are things that help set ourselves and put us in the position for it. He says this, that a, a passion for his presence, for God's presence in their lives. A deep craving to reach the lost. This is one thing I feel like us as a church, we need to grab hold of a, a, a passion and a craving to reach the lost. He also says to have a sincere integrity, to have spirit-filled faith, for us to believe beyond ourselves 
of what God can do. To have down-to-earth humility and to have brokenness. To know that we cannot do it on our own. I want to ask you today, how much do you want God to do something in your life? How much do you want it to be part of our church community? How much do you want to see breakthrough happen in our community? Where we see those stuck in bondage set free. Where we see the blind come to see. Where we see healings and miracles. Where we see lives that are heading down a dark path come into a a sense of glorious light. How much do you want that? How much do you want to see that? In this book, The Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, Jim Zimbala gets to a point where he is crying out to God. And he says this, and this really is my heart today. He said, when what we needed instead was a fresh wind and fresh fire. We needed the Holy Spirit to transform the desperate lives of people all around us. I despaired at the thought that my life might slip by without seeing God show himself mightily on our behalf. I longed and cried out to God to change everything. Me, the church, our passion for people, our praying. One day I told the Lord that I would rather die than merely tread water throughout my career in in the ministry always preaching about the power of the word and the spirit, but never seeing it. I abhorred the thought of just having more church services. I hungered for God to break through in our lives and ministry. Now, over the years, as I've traveled around and seen and been part of different churches, sometimes it just feels like just going through the motions, feels like we're just turning up because that's what's on my schedule, on my calendar. It doesn't feel like I'm expansing the kingdom of God. (laughs) It doesn't feel like we're seeing transformation happening. Man, I long to see that. I don't want to just read stories in books. I don't want to hear about just what happened in the past. I want to be part of the move of God for 2022 and beyond. I don't want to travel around and go to different places and go, yep, this church, another one that doesn't have it. But I want to see God's Holy Spirit move. But to do that, we need to seek him first, don't we? We need to let go and let God. 
and let his power invade our weaknesses. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we pray you give us a passion. Passion for your word. Passion for your presence. Passion for your, uh, to be like you, Lord. Passion for your love. Lord, that we would know the love that surpasses, that is beyond all we could know. That we would know how wide and how high and how deep and how long is your love. Lord, I pray you would, just, you would stir within our spirit. Lord, I also pray that you give us a deep craving to reach the lost. Lord, that we would see people's lives turned around. That you would give us a heart that, that sees that as we pray, it's not just for a warm, fuzzy feeling for ourselves, Lord, but it's for a better community. It's for families that are broken to be restored. For relationships that have been torn apart to be mended back together, Lord. For lives that have been damaged or bound by something to be made whole again. Lord, this give us a passion and a craving to see this happen. Stir it in our hearts, Lord, I pray. Lord, give us spirit-filled faith to believe that you can do much more than we can ask or imagine. Lord, give us a, a grander visions. Give us a sense of greater things, Lord. Give us a heart that believes that with, with God all things are possible. Holy Spirit, do this in us. And Lord, where we need to be broken, break us, Lord. Where we need to be moulded, mould us, Lord. Where we need to be filled, fill us, Lord, with your spirit. Lord, I thank you for your beautiful, multicultural, intergenerational family right around the world. Revive us, sanctify us and unite us once again, we pray. Forgive our many sins and make us holy. Set our hearts on fire again with the good news of your gospel. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.